Chase Bank guarantees it will close a mortgage in 21 days or it will give you $1,000. All that and more on today's Fearless Millionaire Podcast. Let's go. Still haven't closed a deal yet in your real estate business? Not even once. Then you have found the right place. You're a lifesaver. This is the Fearless Millionaire Podcast, where you can gain clarity, confidence, cash flow, and build your business the right way from the inside out. Here's your fearless leader, Nathan Amaral. The mortgage industry has become so much more competitive compared to when I was in the mortgage business. I remember back in early 2005 and six and seven and eight and back in 2009, uh, during the crash, the loan uh, crisis that we had going on, um, also known as the recession, uh, there was just so much going on uh, before all that took place. And I want to rewind, come, come with me as we rewind back to when I was starting in the mortgage business and how it got to this point and how competitive it is today than ever before. And we're going to dive into some of the companies, the, the lenders out there that are trying to close conventional financing the fastest and how this interplays with today's um, economy and also the trend of what's coming up, especially for millennials and millennial marketing. So let's rewind. Let's go back in early 2004, 2005, when adjustable rate mortgages, ARM loans were were always there, okay? They, they Let's just say they gain more popularity, okay? Um, here's what was happening. Banks wanted to push certain products on, uh, let, let me just say lenders. I'm gonna say lenders, okay? Instead of just saying banks, I don't want you to think like Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, and some of the biggest, BB&T, and all the biggest brands, because it was beyond just big conventional brick and mortar banks. It's actually even private lenders or even small startup mortgage company lenders slash lenders were doing the same thing. They were jumping on board. Here's what happened. Uh, the, the key word is greed, right? And maybe it was for a reason. I'm not here to dive into the politics. That's not what we're going to get into, into this side of it. Cause you know, if we had a, you know, a, a drink over this conversation, I would, I would probably bring up the movie, the big short. If you haven't seen that movie yet, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Um, and maybe the Wolf of Wall Street. So you kind of get a combination of the two, but the, the, the big short is basically, um, a great movie to check out that kind of talk goes deeper to what I'm referring to today and what we're talking about on today's podcast. So that would be the reference uh, movie that I'd love for you to check out because it will make much more sense. So if you've never seen the movie, The Big Short, go check it out after you listen to this podcast and it, it will make a lot more sense to what I'm what I'm sharing. And actually, there's a part in the movie, which I'll, I'm going to get to that here in just a second that I want you to pay attention to. Okay, so what was happening back uh, in the early 2000s there, we had um, lenders who wanted to push a certain type of product in the marketplace. Well, if you want to push a certain type of market, a product in the marketplace and you want to earn, you want that product to sell, the best way to do that is not through a fantastic marketing campaign, is not through, um, you know, throw more marketing money at it. No, I mean, in, in, in the financial, financial industry, the best way to do that um, in, in any financial or uh, high ticket and also very emotional sale 
is through salespeople, okay? So simply what the lenders have did back then is they paid the, the brokers, they paid the salespeople a lot more than they probably, I don't wanna say they should have been making, but it was basically, imagine this. Imagine you go to a job and you work your, you know, your 40 hours a week, whatever, and you get your salary, okay? You get your salary, and then at the end of the year, your boss gives you the bonus, like the company, let's say, gives you a bonus. Right, great, you did a good job, here's your annual bonus, good job. Now imagine for mortgage brokers, it worked like this. You work your 40 hours a week, but every time you closed a mortgage, you got a bonus, like every time. And a lot of mortgage brokers during the time were closing, <laughs> okay, I've seen some mortgage brokers who didn't even know how to close an entire loan by themselves, were closing on average like five loans a month. And then I saw experienced mortgage brokers closing like 20 and above. If you had built a little system and team around you, you could definitely get up to those numbers. And I saw them firsthand. So if you rewind with me, how I got into the mortgage business was through my ex-fiance's uh, dad, okay? Um, I was, uh, he kind of pushed me into, uh, it, it was a good push, by the way. It was definitely a good push. Uh, he got me into the mortgage business and, um, and the funny thing is I was only 17 and a half. That's the thing. I couldn't even write a mortgage. I wasn't like legally allowed to write a mortgage because you had to be 18 to be in the financial industry. So what I did was I would actually work my few jobs in the morning and then towards the afternoon, I'd drive up to Rhode Island and uh, and I'd sit in an office and listen to how these other guys, uh, mortgage workers were doing the business, how they were closing deals. And I'd listen to that and I would pay attention. So I was like, I, it was like my six months of training ground basically. Well, when I turned 18, I filed my paper and I was able to start jumping on the phones. I actually know that I was already jumping on the phone, but I couldn't write the entire mortgage prior to the, to the age of 18. So I did already start working the mortgage business a little earlier. Anyway, so I did that as a loan originator and got into the mortgage business and I started writing mortgages and it was really cool. The only thing was I looked really, really young doing this business. So I would go like face to face with people and they would say, <laughs> well, let me tell you one story was I remember I got on a boat. I'm not kidding you. I got on a boat to Narragansett. It was an island and there was this, you know, um, there was this client I was talking to. I first started talking to him on the phone and then I said, okay, yeah, we're going to do this mortgage. So I said, listen, I'll come to you. And actually the house, I mean, it was a really, really big deal. Like I was going to make a boatload of money just on this commission. So I said to the, uh, to the, the, the client, I said, Hey, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to sign the contract with you. I want to meet you in person. We built a great relationship. Yada, yada. So I did that. I took the ferry over there. And I'll never forget when I got there, we sat down in his home at his kitchen table and we went through the whole process and he was, I remember he was fairly, he was fairly like kind, like he didn't give me any, no pushback, no attitude. He was just like, yeah, okay. But I was very young and young minded. I didn't know what was going on in his mind at the time because uh, I couldn't I couldn't tell. Uh, but I'll never forget when we got to the, the end of the close and wrapping up the paperwork, I, I told him to fill out uh, the documentation. I told him I needed a social security number. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, what are you, 12? And at first I thought he was joking because I we had such a decent relationship so far up to that point. And he said, I'm not gonna give you my social security number. He's like, I mean, are you, how old are you? And that's when 
I was like, wait a second, what is this guy talking about? He said, listen, man, I like you and all, and thank you for sharing about you know these mortgage plans and all that. And he's like, I definitely want to do it, but I'm not going to do it with you. I want to do it with an experienced mortgage broker. I want to make sure I'm getting the right rate. So have your manager give me a call. And I was like, oh, okay, Mr. And I'll leave his name out of this, but I was like, okay. Um, so I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And and I and I was like, yeah, all right, we'll get that done. You know, I kind of closed the meeting in a positive way. And I went on my merry way. Went back to the office. I floated, you know, on the, on the boat, got back to the office uh, after taking the ferry back and went to my manager and said, hey, this guy turned me down, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he wants to talk to you. But here's the thing. We closed the deal. There's, there's no doubt about that. We made the deal happen. But here's the thing. What I thought about on the ferry over was, man, this guy thought of me as a young adolescent. And I was young. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I was young. I was under the age of 20. But the it's just the way he said it and the way he looked at me. And I said to myself from that moment on, I just wanted to work over the phone. I just wanted to close mortgages over the phone. It really hit me emotionally. I was like, man, like, I don't want this to happen again. I didn't want that feeling. And actually, so what I did was for the next uh, three years, I never went on a um, uh, in the field <laughs> face to face consultation again for three years because of what that impact it had on me. And also I grew a beard. I actually grew a beard during that same time frame. Um, and, and I started building up my confidence. What actually helped me build my confidence back up uh, I was actually attending some uh, some classes in a local school. I wanted to finish up my my business degree, and actually, it was a, a man by the name of uh, Ron Santos who um, he was actually he was a teacher, but he also was uh, an advisor, and he just advised me to run for student senate president because of my personality and my character and all this stuff, yada yada. And I did that anyway. It was his confidence in me that helped me, you know, step out a bit in that during that time frame. Uh, in that point in my life, which is really cool. And so, uh, so anyway, I digress there for a second. Uh, the mortgage business, I started, you know, I started building that entire, uh, doing everything over the phone. Okay. So what was I doing on the phone? What was I selling? What was I offering? Uh, and it was these products of where you could literally, um, offer 100% financing. But you know, a little bit I didn't really know at the time. I thought it was an amazing thing. At the time, I was like, wow, this is incredible. We're off, we're getting people into homes. Like it was such like, you know, awesome. People who, you know, we did stated income loans. What's a stated income loan? Is when a borrower tells you verbally that they make X number of dollars a week or a month. So a borrower could come in and say, hey, I make $2,000 a week. And so that's what we would write down on the application. They made $2,000 a week. It, we didn't question anything and we didn't have to because it was 100% financing. The, the lenders said, yes, we'll take it, right? If you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage. And yes, we even saw people putting like their dog's name on mortgage applications. I, I swear I heard it and saw the paperwork myself. It was just insane. Um, it, it just very interesting stuff was going on during those times. And so what was happening? We were offering these mortgages where we would get, normally mortgage brokers make anywhere, anywhere between 1% and 3% of the loan amount. That's fine. The seller pays those fees for doing the mortgage. That's what was happening. However, like I said, going back earlier, the lender would say, okay, you just close the deal. You get a bonus. 
So here's what would happen. Let's hypothetically say we would get 3%. Um, those, uh, the 3% is also called points. So that we would get three points on the loan from the seller. It's fees for closing the deal. And we would tie that up into closing fees. That's very normal. But then after we close the deal, what would happen is the lender would send us a bonus. Like, thank you so much for closing this loan. Well, here's the thing. The mortgages that they put the bonuses on were the mortgages products that were ones that they knew that were gonna they were gonna uh, short out later on. They, they were called like junk mortgages. And again, if you watch the movie The Big Short, it will this will make a whole bunch more sense because they started selling these as mortgage-backed securities, and there's a whole back-end product to the mortgages that many mortgage brokers were writing. So. There was a product within a product, but a lot of mortgage brokers didn't see that. And there's a particular part in the movie where these guys, they leave their, I think it's New York, they leave their New York office and they go down to some properties in Florida. And so they go around and there's these a bunch of abandoned houses, there's a bunch of foreclosures. And finally, I think at some party while they're down there, they're talking to two mortgage brokers and the two mortgage brokers, uh, oh, these guys, the guys who are, um, trying to figure out what's going on in the mortgage business. They, they're talking to these two mortgage brokers over some drinks and the mortgage brokers are just laughing and saying, hey, we don't care, we're making money. We don't care what happens. And you know what? I saw that attitude happen over and over and over again. It was just a money hungry greed session. And I'll tell you what, I at the time, I was so new in the mortgage business, I knew the products we offered. I knew there could be possibility of risk because of the adjustable rate mortgages we were offering and the programs we were offering. However, I didn't really see the big picture. Uh, I just remember there were times when we were doing these presentations with like 30 or 40 people in the room. One time, no, actually, there was like a few times there would be like, there would be this person in the back of the room that would ask a question during the presentation and he'd say, you guys are crazy. This is insane. Right. And, and it made me think, and I was like, wait, is that guy right? Like, is he, is he, is he right with what he's saying? It just, I had that, that little bit of doubt in my mind. Like maybe this, that guy was right. Is there something wrong with what we were promoting um, and what we were offering? And uh, unfortunately, as you know, everything went, if you watch the big short, it will be very clear to what's happening. So the mortgage industry took a big change. No one could just simply become a mortgage broker or a loan originator. You now needed to become, become licensed. And there was a lot of changes that were happening. And actually, personally, I was very disappointed in the industry itself. I really was. I was like, man, this is this is horrible and I can't believe this happened. However, I really liked the mortgage industry and I was really good at it. And uh, I, I was number one in sales uh, for you know a few organizations that I was a part of. And I wrote the most loans. And that's great. But um, one of the, the things that I really felt bad about was the situation that people were put into. And I was like, oh, that just, and I just left the industry. I ended up just leaving the mortgage business. And, uh, and, and, and what ended up happening right while I was leaving is all mortgage brokers now needed to be licensed, meaning they needed to go through a test. Um, it was kind of like real estate agents. They needed to go through hours of training and get licensed and pay a, a yearly uh, annual fee to have their license and stuff like that. So so it just became regulated, okay? So now the mortgage business is regulated and um, to become a mortgage broker, you need to go through that process. So the amount of mortgage brokers and loan originators 
reduced in size tremendously. Like just imagine there, I'm just giving a hypothetical number. Imagine in a matter of a year, there's like a million and all of a sudden it just got reduced to like 10,000, like literally very fast in a matter of a few months. So many people were trying to find, you know, new jobs and all that kind of stuff. But but the reality is the mortgage business got cleaned up. And this was now, this is what, going over 10 years ago. Um, and so what's been happening as we've been seeing in the industry is these changes that have slowly uh, been taking place. And the beautiful thing about that is kind of like the headline of this uh, episode is that now Chase Bank is now offering um you know, is willing to offer a thousand dollars if they can close fat, uh, within you know twenty one days, um, and if they can't do it, if they can't close in twenty one days, they're going to give you that thousand dollars. So the whole what's what's happening? Why is Chase offering this? Because what's happening is other companies like the Loan Depot or Fast Close Mortgage and um, Rocket Mortgage. There's many other lenders out there, and and there's many more than that. But there's some lenders out there that now are shortening the length of the mortgage business. That's really what's happening. We're seeing also some people do just doing a cash out refinance in as little as like 13 days, less than two weeks. We're seeing that. It's happening. Um, and, and, and literally Rocket Mortgage, for example, has changed the industry, especially what we're talking about is like in just a matter of a few clicks, you can be pre-qualified, you can start the documents and everything can start happening pretty quickly just because of the market and who is buying homes. We're in the middle, we're in, not in the middle, excuse me, we're, we're transitioning into millennials and while millennials are now growing up and you know going to be owning homes and making much larger, bigger purchasing decisions, and as more millennials come into the marketplace, this is almost expected. We're also seeing companies over in the West, over in California, we're seeing companies who are doing like, hey, you don't even need a mortgage broker, right? We're seeing like even small startup companies saying, we're going to make the mortgage business a lot easier. We're going to make the real estate uh, brokerage a lot easier for real estate agents. You don't need to really talk to a real estate agent. You don't need a real estate agent to go look at the property with you. You can do this by yourself. Just scan your phone at the door and it unlocks that kind of stuff. We're seeing a lot of changes digitally that's taking place. So, um, so Chase is coming out with this opportunity that you know, they will pay the borrowers $1,000 if they don't close your mortgage in 21 days. And this is a guarantee that they're offering. And all this is all the customer has to do. All they have to do is submit the documentation um, that Chase doesn't uh, already have. So if Chase, if you're like, for example, if you're a client of Chase already, they can actually just go through your accounts and pull up your information. So any information that they don't have, um, they will close the loan on and before that date. And actually, if you bank with Chase already and they see your income coming in, um, they're able to just quickly verify that with a W-2 statement, but they're already seeing deposits, especially because a lot of people are um, doing direct deposit. They're also able to confirm that a lot faster. You know, so this is happening more and more and more. Um, and, and remember, years ago, uh, the average loan used to close in 45 days, 45 days. And, and that, that's with sometimes even without an extension. It's just a matter of this whole. I remember the biggest challenge in our mortgage business was the speed of documentation. 
speed of getting the contracts signed, speed of getting the appraisal done, then getting contracts back, then contracts signed, then a closing date, right? Now with this, with technology and the way, and I, and I personally, let me tell you something, I feel like the, because the real estate industry is such a large industry, hundreds and thousands of transactions happen daily, I feel like it's just moving too slow. Um, it could have, this should have been done like five years ago. Um, but, you know, I feel like maybe, through what a lot of uh, guys in the industry, big experts who deal with um, through this, and I've been reading some of the news that uh, we're looking at maybe 2020. So we got another two years um, until we start seeing this really seep through and uh, saturate the marketplace. But we should be, I feel we should be much more along uh, when it comes to streamlining the closing process, closing houses faster, uh, doing mortgages and closing on them faster. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of that and we're seeing a big increase in data. Um, the speed of transition of data moving from one organization to another, uh, whether it's the mortgage company or the appraisal company. And even for example, I remember I closed a mortgage with Chase uh, actually two times that um, they actually got the, they, they kind of did it almost like a done for you service. Uh, they got the appraiser, they got the, um, the inspector and what else did they get? Um, I'm forgetting what there was one more thing they got. I'm just spacing out on what that was right now. Um, and they give you a $500 credit towards closing. So they give all these incentives, um, as well as other, other companies are, are, were starting to do that. Also, they started thinking of ways to make that happen. Well, what's going on in the future, what's, what's happening. I say the future, but it's now it really is now. I like, I like to think futuristically, but actually this stuff is happening right now and you can anticipate this. And I want you to think about this for your business. For your real estate businesses, you have to be thinking about anticipating the needs of the future customer. Okay, yes, I understand sometimes you're gonna be dealing with different generations. So maybe sometimes you're dealing with an older crowd. Let me give you an example. I have a real estate client who does direct mail to um, sellers uh, and property owners that are you know, over the age of 60. They're over the age of 60. And so there are different um, ways of communicating that, you know, that person in that age demographic is more comfortable with. For example, they may not be as comfortable or savvy to do electronically sign a contract. I'm not saying that's everyone, but they may be not as comfortable or, you know, using it as commonly. It's a learning curve. Whereas you take like a, you know, 25 year old to sign a mortgage contract, they do it all from their phone. Right, so there's a big difference there, um, and so my client, what they do, uh, for example, is they they mail out direct uh, direct mail offers in the mail, uh, and they also you know they make the font a little bigger, you know, than normal. Just you know, some people uh, with eyesight they can't see as well, but they also put a return envelope with a stamp. They just make the process for that type of client demographic a lot easier. Now, this is the same true, this this is the uh, true also for your demographic. And if it's someone younger, uh, maybe they're a millennial or maybe they're in their 40s and they're familiar with technology. Maybe they just have a better grasp on things and you can do things electronically. You can sign a contract electronically and do everything over the phone or do things via text and uh, or maybe bots. You know, today there's a lot of uh, chat bots that are available available, streamlining the real estate process. Um, so keep that in mind, anticipate the needs of your customer and make business 
make doing business with you easy. I remember my friend and uh, mentor uh, back in the day, I used to work from my boss, David Lindell, taught me that um, he's like, one of his golden rules, his core principles in his company is uh, make doing business with you easy. So that means if you are not keeping it simple within your company to help to you know to help your client move them along to help them close them close a the deal, then you need to reevaluate what you're doing, right? If they're if if they're you know if they're thinking about doing a th few things in a few steps and your process is like ten steps too long, then you have to reevaluate the way you do your business, right? So think about those things in your business. I wanted to share this insight with you because. We're gonna see this transition, uh, and, and and it's actually, it's really exciting, by the way. We're seeing bigger companies step up with speed. I know there's a lot of smaller companies that are already doing this, and sometimes it takes the big giant companies a little bit longer, uh, but we're now we're seeing bigger companies incentivize their borrowers so that they can um, you know, service them uh, faster. So think about that for your business. Here's the, the takeaway for today's episode is, Think about your client and how you can serve them, anticipate their needs, and how can you make biz doing business with you easier for your customer, your client, and how can you serve them better? Hey, that concludes today's episode. Thanks so much for listening in. This is the number one place for investors to gain clarity, confidence, and cash flow in their real estate business. I appreciate you listening in, giving likes, sending in comments and questions. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.